and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Well, I preached on Lazarus a few weeks ago for restoration. Then I preached on Anisimus. Remember that sermon? From the book of Philemon or Philemon. <laughs> and today we are going to continue with that theme of restoration, but we are going to look at one verse from Paul's teaching. So if you have your Bibles, turn them on to the book of Galatians. Come on, any Bible people in the house this morning? I'm looking for Bibles this morning. Never go out without your sword. Come on. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to go to war today against the powers of darkness. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Galatians, bring a friend in one hand, a Bible in the other. That's how you come to church. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Are you ready this morning for God's Word? Come on, are you ready for God's Word? Who's ready to be changed today by the power of the Word? Dear brothers and sisters, who is Paul speaking to? He's talking to believers. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, heavy this morning, you who are spiritual, here's the word, restore. Who's called to restore? It's God's people. We are called to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Many things that at the end of the year that we start to think about that we want to practice the following year. Maybe it's going to the gym, somebody say amen. (laughs) Maybe it's eating less food or the right foods, somebody say amen. Maybe it's spending less time on social media. We have these commitments that we make and we attempt to practice them. There's a whole bunch of things in Christianity that we attempt to practice. Sowing more into our prayer lives, sowing more time into the Word of God, sowing more time being at prayer meetings and life groups and reaching out to people who don't know Jesus as their personal friend. But there is a discipline that's seldom practiced by believers. In fact, some Bible commentators would say that out of all Christian disciplines, this is the one thing that most believers do not practice. And that is restoring somebody who has been caught in a sin. We all know people who were once active in fellowship and have fallen away. We know people who once brought people to church, but seldom bring themselves anymore. We've seen over the last two years through this pandemic, people who once were present in, the, in fellowship and in worship and in communion on a weekly basis, now come to church has become a once every three or four week optional extra in life. Some of you have loved ones who perhaps were once active in their faith, 
And today they have left their first love. Paul speaks to believers and he challenges believers around the subject of restoring people who've been caught up in a sin. To lay a foundation earlier on in Galatians, Paul speaks to this group of people who have fallen away and we see it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, you foolish Galatians. Paul kind of is a straight talker. (laughs) And watch this. He says, who has bewitched you? Uh, Notice that he didn't say, what has bewitched you? He said, who being a person, who has bewitched you? Often when people fall away in their relationship with God, it's because of a who. There's somebody that has had an influence on their beliefs, on their convictions, on their values. And Paul says, a who, a person has bewitched you. Later on in Galatians chapter five, verse seven, he says, you were running a good race. Come on, we all know people like this. You were running a good race. Again, who, not what, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth. Think of it as a runner. And Paul essentially is saying, you're running this brilliant race, you're doing phenomenal and someone sticks their leg out and tries to trip you over. Paul says, a who has cut in on you. Difference of course in the 21st century is that our who's is not necessarily someone that we interact with face to face, but it can be a who can be a YouTube person who preaches error, who preaches things that take us down the garden path and they cut us, watch this, from obeying the truth the truth of the gospel. And notice that Paul says, it's not their belief in the truth of their gospel, it's their obedience to the truth. And so Paul tells us this morning, uh, it's a little bit uh, like, I remember David Storer, my whole senior pastor used to give this illustration of, uh, about the power of foundations in our lives. This is a, a bit like doing the buttons up on your shirt. How many of you know if you get the first one wrong, you look and it's like, oh, <laughs> you gotta get the foundation right. And so a couple of thoughts before I start to unpack this message this morning. This is a message for all. Paul says, dear brothers and sisters, this is not a calling for the pastors to restore people who've fallen into sin. Paul says, this is a challenge for every believer who's sitting under the sound of my voice this morning. We have been challenged by God to restore people. I also want you to notice that Paul's emphasis, we're just doing the buttons on the shirt, we gotta get the foundation right and then I'll unpack it for you. The message here is not necessarily about uh, that restoration should be done. The emphasis is how restoration should be done. Because often believers, when it comes to restoration, do more harm than good. (laughs) Because we get very judgy. When people fall, when people make mistakes. 
and we have a problem of a holier-than-thou attitude. And so today we're gonna promote a bit of humility in the house of God, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Again, doing the buttons up, just so we can get the foundation right. Paul says, if someone is caught in a sin, uh, the Greek word for the word caught there simply means uh, this person got taken unexpectedly. They're not bad. It's not outward rebellion. They're, they're a good person who just made a mistake. They slipped, they erred. They got blindsided. So Paul presents a hypothetical case to us as believers and he gives us godly guidelines on how to restore someone who has fallen. Amen. Let's go through the verse. Galatians chapter six, verse one. Dear brothers and sisters, everyone at Horizon Church, if you know someone who is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual. First godly guideline. Paul puts the challenge out to spiritual people. Now, he does not place the responsibility of restoration on the person who has fallen. Get out of this mess. Fix yourself. Why would you do this to yourself? (laughs) He replaces the responsibility on fellow believers. In other words, our attitude should never be, they got themselves into this mess. It's our, it's your, your responsibility. Get yourself out of this mess. They created the issue. They can fix it. Paul makes a declaration that the restorers must have a qualification. And he says, you who are spiritual. Starts off broad by saying, brothers and sisters, And then eventually he narrow casts it and he singles out those who are spiritual. Can you say amen? Amen. So Paul is saying, if you consider yourself to be a spiritual person this morning, then part of the overflow of your Christian experience is that you would have a heart for those who've been caught up in a sin. Challenge with the definition of spirituality (laughs) is that we can think of someone who's a deep thinker. Mm. Someone perhaps who doesn't care for material things. Oh, they're very spiritual. Or who speaks in a mystical way. (laughs) Very spiritual. But spirituality essentially is a life that has been impacted by the life, the very life of Jesus Christ. And the fruit of a spiritual life is I care for people in a practical way who need to be restored. We give ourselves to so much knowledge. We give ourselves to so much uh, when it comes to understanding the deep things of God. And I'm all for that. You know, I'm, put me in the line, I'm there. But I've come to discover that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Spirituality 
overflows with a heart that cares lovingly for people who have fallen. We do not stand in judgment today. We don't stand with hearts filled with condemnation. But like Jesus, our heart is to restore. Peter's a classic example of this verse. I'll never deny you, Lord. I'll die with you. A few hours later, I've never heard of Jesus before. I've seen him around. Never never had coffee with him, ever. Second time, third time. Denies, got caught up. But what did Jesus do? Jesus actively sought out fallen Peter and restored him. And who was the one who preached on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 souls got saved? It was Peter. Come on, we're called to restore. We're called to reach out to those. Let's never be the kind of church that stands in judgment when people make mistakes. Paul says, you who are spiritual. Your spirituality really is tested by your heart for others. You can have a great prayer life. You can have a great passion for the Word. You can have a great passion for fellowship. But the fruit of your spirituality, it is in the end, how does it help other people? Brothers and sisters, someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual. Paul says we are to restore that person. He introduces the concept of restoration. The word for restore is to put in order. In other words, to restore to its former condition. The Greek word literally means the mending of broken nets. Also, the Greek word is used as a medical term to set a fractured or dislocated bone in place. You ever broken a bone before? I've only ever broken one bone. Of all bones to break, excuse me, I broke my baby finger. (laughs) I was wild when I was a teenager. Why not a leg? or an arm, but a baby finger. This one right here. And notice how it doesn't sit in properly. Anyone see that? You have a 2020 vision online, see that? It's like something's wrong with it, you know? Now, when I was in year 10, I had a red racing bike. And on the way to school, I had to go through a little laneway. And you know, they used to put those little bars in the laneway so cars wouldn't drive through. And my goal was, how to get through that as quickly as possible. Don't ask me why, but when you have a year 10 boy's brain, that's just how things work. And I am racing through these, you know, these bars to get through, and my, as I had, had my hand on the handlebar, my left knuckle <laughs> clipped this metal bar, and I was like, oh, that hurt. Looked, and the whole knuckle was pushed back. So... I had this pushback knuckle for about two weeks, literally. And I'm at a Youth Alive Easter camp, get a phone call, mum calls up the campsite, 
Back then you didn't have mobile phones. Calls up the campsite, said we've received notification from Fremantle Hospital, you're booked in to go for an operation on Monday. So I go to the hospital and uh, it's kind of freaky, but when you're, you're in your, when you're in year 10, you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor looks at it, he fiddles around, and uh, I've got a nice big scar here, by the way. It's lovely. <laughs> Fingers broken. The knuckle is broken. The tendons have been torn. So I go under the knife and uh, eventually wake up. Had a couple of spews for what it, you know, because of the medication, etc. And they fixed it. Amen. Because <laughs> I didn't want to live with a knuckle that was kind of back here. That would not be healthy for me. A doctor took time. A doctor looked at it. There was tenderness. There was care. When someone gets caught up in a sin, yes, we should preach the message of repentance. I'm all for it. Absolutely. But what happened to tenderness? You think if that doctor looked at it and started to yank it back in place, I'd be like, oh, praise God, this just feels so wonderful. (laughs) He took the time to make sure I was okay. Have you ever pressed the reset button in someone's life? Ever been on a journey with someone who got caught up in a sin? And instead of preaching the book of Revelation to them, although I love the book of Revelation, you took the time to love them. You took the time, like the doctor, who mended my broken knuckle, Little by little by little with tenderness, compassion and care. Martin Luther says, run unto him, reaching out your hand, raise him up again, comfort him with sweet words and embrace him with fatherly arms. Recently, as we've been on this journey of restoration, I had the opportunity, by the grace of God, to press the reset button in somebody's life. To be on the journey with them where life was a little bit tough, a couple of mistakes along the way, but I thought, I'm gonna do my best to restore you. It's just happened in the last three months as, this, as the Lord has burdened me with this word. I caught up with, this guy, I prayed with him and he had been hurt a little bit by some things that went on in church life. Some lovely people who, you know, <laughs> love to preach down, etc. And I sat with him at a coffee table and I said to him, on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Kingdom of God, I want to apologise to you for the way that you've been treated. Tears ran down his cheeks because we took the time with tenderness, care, mercy and love to reset 
a broken bone. I've got another one coming up at the end of March. Another catch up with another young guy who was ousted a little bit because of some mistakes that he made. And he should have been a bit smarter. I get that. But I'll sit down with him. I'll love on him. I'll encourage him. I'll bless him. And with tenderness and care, I pray for his restoration. Paul says, you who are spiritual, here's the godly guidelines. This is how you do it. And he says, you are to restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. Notice, by the way, that the word spiritual starts with the lowercase. Amen. Thank you, Aziza. You're the only one who got that. (laughs) Gentleness. Paul says, be gentle. Be tender. Be considerate. Gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is strength under control. Strength under control. Don't go into these meetings with people releasing all your strength. (laughs) Your sermons are great, but maybe it's just time to listen and have strength that's actually under control. Amen. Come on, we're preaching a good word today. A more contemporary use of the word gentleness is TLC. Not the band, but tender, loving care. They're an old band. (laughs) That was even funny. I just thought of it just then. Tender, loving care. A blend of strength tempered by tenderness. Isn't that the heart of Jesus? Strength tempered with tenderness. So many have... Strength, but I want to challenge your tenderness. Freely you have received, now freely give. I want to challenge a compassionate spirit in you. I want to challenge a kind spirit in you. I want to challenge a merciful spirit in you. Strong enough, I'm sure you are, to set the broken bone, but gentle enough to avoid hurting the patient unnecessarily. Whew, come on, Brad. I like that. Why? Because we love people. They know they've done wrong. They know they are in error. What they need is your love, your understanding, and a listening ear. The prodigal son, father sees him at a distance. Father believes he's Usain Bolt, boom, goes after him. Son rehearses, read the passage, he rehearses what he's going to say, his big repentance speech. He didn't even have a chance to give it. The father embraced him, loved him, kissed his neck. Amen. Come on, church. This is the father heart of God. Whilst we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
He gives us the godly guideline of gentleness. My son Wade, when he was a little bit younger, uh, we live at the basketball court uh, because that's his thing, <laughs> Alison and I. And uh, one night when he was under 12, the Thursday night competition, stacked it on the basketball court. Oh, my arm. I'm like, ah, you'll be right. <laughs> I'm just confessing my sin today. You'll be okay. Come on, toughen up now. <laughs> and he's only like under 12s. Oh, I feel bad now. I feel terrible. Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. Um, so he goes, no, I can't play. No, you'll be fine. So anyway, he comes off the court and the coach is like, look, I don't think he's, his arm's in a healthy condition. So I take him to Sutherland Hospital and, you know, they do the x-rays and so on and they discovered, uh, which I'd never heard of the term before, what's called in children a, a bow fracture. So, so uh, I'm feeling really bad. <laughs> and, um, and I watched the nurses and I watched the doctors when they took care of my son. Not once was there ever a doctor or a nurse who yanked it. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? What are you crying for? Let's just put this thing. They were gentle. They were kind. They were loving. My son came away from that hospital experience without any emotional scars. <laughs> Why? because of the way that he was treated. Can we just treat people who fall with a bit of dignity and grace? Can we just treat people who make mistakes? Now, if you're thinking today that this is a license to sin, <laughs> you don't know me at all. But I'll give you a wisdom tip, okay? Because you might be thinking, repent! I preach repentance. I've preached more sermons on repentance than you. <laughs> Maybe because it's my call. Actually, that was pride. That was pride. So forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry. No, I shouldn't have said that. We will delete that out of the podcast. But it was funny. Think of it this way. Let me give you some wisdom. If a husband, stay with me now, if a husband is harsh with his wife, does she love him more or less? If he's nasty towards her, tells her all the things that she should or shouldn't have done, she'd be like, you're the best husband in the world. But a husband who's loving, who's caring, who's gracious and forgiven, the wife will give her heart. If we want God towards his bride to be harsh, you should do this. Don't, what about that? What about these seven things? Be like, oh, you're just the best God ever. But what is he? He's compassionate. He's gracious. So this kind of message does not repel me from loving Jesus more. It actually draws me into his love because he's kind with a spirit of gentleness. Can we keep going? You're doing okay? Paul says in the last part of that verse, considering yourself, 
lest you also be tempted. Wow. He says, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. When I was younger, I thought, man, if you hang out with these people, you might commit the same sin. You know? uh, wrong understanding. If you ha- the sin may jump onto you. <laughs> Paul's saying, no one is immune from making a mistake. He's saying, be humble. There but for the grace of God, go I. He's saying this, you cannot restore someone with the feeling of self-righteous superiority. Matthew chapter seven, verse five, Jesus said, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The temptation is not that their sin's gonna hop on you. Their temptation is spiritual pride superiority. That's the temptation. I do this, but you don't. I'm over here in my relationship with God, but look at you, you got a long way to go. Paul says, that's pride. That's the spirit of pride. Have you ever been in a scenario where you've been overzealous with your reproof, using a hammer to deal with flies? I have. Let me tell you about a mistake that I made. Many years ago when, wasn't that long ago, but probably is many years ago now, (laughs) when I was a youth pastor, I had a good friend I was probably about 21 at the time, 20. And this friend of mine started, you know, we had a really awesome youth ministry on fire for God, prayer youth ministry. It was, it was incredible. It was a move of God. Joel Storer was a part of that youth ministry back then. It, it was a revival we were having in our youth group. And because of that spirit of revival, Um, there was an intensity about it, which was amazing and I love and I thank God for it. But one of my friends decided to go off the garden path a little bit. Or in my overzealous reproof, how do you deal with someone like that? Well, back then, we didn't understand the heart of restoration. We didn't understand what it meant to lovingly care and bring someone back into fellowship with the spirit of grace and forgiveness. And we kind of just cut him off a bit. I'm embarrassed to tell you. Cut him off because we were righteous and he was sinning. Well, He went on his journey, was really hurt by the way that I and others had treated him. And it was years later that I sat down with him and he came good in his relationship with God. And we were in our early 30s, like 10 plus years later. And he said, Brad, I've got to ask you, why did you treat me like that? 
Wow, what a confronting question, right? Why did you treat me like that? Well, the honest answer was, I didn't know any other way. I thought that's how you treated people who had, you know, done the wrong thing. My temptation, what I fell into, instead of breathing grace, I had spiritual pride. But I pray over our church that we would never let a wounded soldier die. I pray that if you get the chance to put it right with someone where perhaps you as a believer have been overzealous, that you pray, we pray, that you get the chance to put it right. He's doing great. We contact each other periodically. He's married. All his kids are serving Jesus. And I'm thankful to God. Can I read that verse to you in the Passion? Is that okay? Are you doing okay today? My beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, may the one who overflows with the Spirit seek to restore him. Win him over with gentle words, which will open his heart to you and will keep you from exalting yourself over him. Beautiful, wonderful Jesus. Horizon Church, Thank God for humility because God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble humility. Maybe today, can we take it to another level now? It's 10.50, so I got time. Don't worry, the coffee won't get cold. I got time. If you are one of these people where you have been hurt, I'm not talking about anything illegal, that's a whole nother story, but just through the silliness of believers who were overzealous when you tripped and stumbled. Do you know why my friend went in that direction? I only found out when I was in my 30s, his dad was an alcoholic and he went in a direction to find comfort. People have been overzealous in their opinion about you, what they think about you, the words that they've said about you. On behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Kingdom of God, can I apologise to you? Can we say we are deeply sorry for the way that you've been treated. You are greatly blessed, highly favoured and deeply loved. We're sorry. Father in heaven, I'm getting very emotional today. So maybe we'll ask the musos and singers to come. Father in heaven, we love you so much. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship You, Jesus. We worship You, we worship You. If that's You today, I've been honest with my story. (laughs) 
Can you be honest and say, I've been hurt and I'm gonna acknowledge it. I wanna pray for you. Can you just stand just right where you are? Come on, this is a big thing for some people. Can you just stand up, just say, yeah, that's me. That's me, lots of people standing right across the order. Come on, don't be embarrassed, the family of God. You've been hurt by other people's words, the way you've been treated. Some people are standing up already. I wanna pray for you today. This is between you and Jesus, you and Jesus, you and Jesus, you and Jesus, you and the love of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. The Holy Spirit's saying, there's one more person that needs to stand. Come on, I don't wanna embarrass you. I wanna give you this moment of privacy. You need to stand. Today's your day of freedom. Come on, whom the sun sets free is free indeed, Jesus. Father, I thank You for these wonderful people who've stood up today. You love them. And I pray Your blessing upon them. I pray for peace, peace in their relationship with their Heavenly Father, but also peace in their relationship with fellow believers. I bless them today. I thank You for them. I speak destiny over You. I speak the call of God over your life. I declare that you are above and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. You have been called for such a time as this. So Lord, I bless these people. I speak strength and life into their spirit. In Jesus' wonderful Name, wonderful Name, wonderful Name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Before we bring our meeting to a close and Pastor Allison will come in a moment and bring some final announcements. I do wanna give an opportunity for those who maybe you've never opened up your heart to the love of God. Maybe today's message you could identify as the person who ran, who went away, who got caught up in a sin and that's become a lifestyle. Today, the love of God reaches out to you. Those of you who are watching at home online, in your car, on your phone, wherever you are. The love of God reaches out to you today and the love of God is pulling you home. We're gonna pray a prayer. It's a prayer that receives the love of God, a prayer that invites Jesus Christ, the Son of God to come into our lives, to forgive us of the things that we've done wrong as we repent and turn away and we move towards our Saviour. It's a prayer that asks for forgiveness. It's a prayer that receives forgiveness. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? Maybe you've never prayed this prayer before or you did a long time ago, but you're coming home. Can we in the auditorium please all say this prayer? Why don't you say it after me? Dear Jesus, I believe in You. Come into my heart and be my Saviour. I receive Your forgiveness, Your love and complete acceptance. I am now set free from my past. I am now a child of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never prayed that prayer before, you did a long time ago. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to lift up your hand. The reason why I want you to lift up your hand so I can see who you are. I wanna pray for you this morning. There's a couple of people in the auditorium who are also helping me to see. 
On the count of three, lift it up nice and high. Here we go. One, two, three, lift it up. I'd love to pray for you today. If you've never prayed that prayer before or you did a long time ago and you're coming home, lift up your hand nice and high. I'd love the opportunity to pray for you today, to pray for you in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name, right across the auditorium. Those of you who are watching online, there are people in the chat box you can just, who are there to help you. Some of them are pastors and leaders to support you and help you as well. I'd love the opportunity to pray for you. God bless you, I see your hand. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So good, so good. So Father, I thank You for those who've lifted up their hands today. I thank You, Lord, for life transformation. I thank You that the Word of God says, if any of us be in Christ, we are new creations. All things have passed away. All things have become new. We speak it and declare it in Jesus' wonderful Name. Can we give those who raise their hand a great clap of encouragement? It's so good. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.